0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Farzy Mizugi and the host of the Chiefstone Podcast. Hope you guys are all having a great week. Got a lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. No guests on this episode, but a lot to go over. A very busy week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Some good, some bad. I mean, maybe a little bit more than some. Uh, but, but a lot of things to get into on this episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. Gonna get into it. In just a moment. If you guys haven't already, hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, and or Spotify, hit the share button as well. Spread the word about the Chiefstone Podcast. Let all of your friends know about the Chiefstone Podcast. You guys can also interact with me on social media as always. Appreciate all the interaction that we've had this season, even before this season. But man, this season's really been one of the best, uh, maybe the best, uh, I've had in terms of interactions with listeners. During the season, so definitely love it and enjoy it, and want to continue that on with you guys. Facebook.com/slash Farzine Basugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus my email: Farzine at FarzineBasugian.com. And a reminder: we will be doing a Facebook Live video once again. That will take place on Sunday at halftime, and we'll do it after the game during Sunday Night Football when the Chiefs and the Patriots play on Sunday night. Make sure you join us for that. Again, that's facebook.com. All right, as I said, a lot to get into, a lot of news and notes this week uh, as far as the Chiefs roster goes. Uh, some, interesting, uh, some interesting stats out there that are being thrown, also a couple of rankings that you guys might be intrigued by And I want to get into that in just a moment, but first, I know the Chiefs have a big game this Sunday night, and a lot's been going on this week, but we've got to actually go a week ahead and talk about next Sunday night, because the NFL announced its first Sunday night football flex game of the season, the Kansas City Chiefs playing on Sunday night football for two weeks in a row, yes, the Chiefs on primetime two weeks in a row, same exact primetime night, Sunday night football. Uh, next Sunday's game against the Bengals was set to be a new and kickoff game at Arrowhead on CBS. Instead, the Chiefs and Bengals, who are the who right now have the two best records in the AFC, they're going to play on Sunday Night Football. Uh, so again, like I said, two weeks in a row, with the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Last season, the Chiefs had six primetime games going into 2017. None of them were flexed. Uh, all of them stayed as is. Uh, and the Chiefs had six primetime games more than any other team in the NFL. Coming into 2018, the Chiefs had five primetime games that tied with, I believe, I, I can't remember how many other teams, or, uh, but several teams uh, also uh, also had uh, five primetime games. Nobody had more than six, though. The Chiefs now have six primetime games. That's now more than the entire NFL this season uh, as far as game schedule for right now. 12 total primetime games in two seasons. And I asked you guys on Twitter, I did a poll question, because I know over the years, Chiefs fans have complained about... I remember there was a point in time before Thursday Night Football became a thing, and now that they have Thursday Night Football, every team is guaranteed at least one appearance on primetime uh, football. But before that, the Chiefs weren't even getting a primetime slot for, gosh, it felt like three or four years at one point. And I asked you guys on Twitter, over the years, as Chiefs fans who have been complaining about... The attention on Prime. And in fact, when the schedule came out, Chiefs fans complained that there weren't any primetime games at home early in the season. Well, now you got your wish. Now you have it. And I know October, it feels like we're close to the midway. We're actually almost going to be a third into the season once this Patriots game is over with. Uh, but it's still fairly early. This will only be the third home game of the year for the Chiefs. And hey, it's a crucial one because it is the Cincinnati Bengals, the, uh, the best team in the AFC outside of Kansas City. So, uh, this would be a great one to have at home on primetime. And of course, the NFL would love that matchup on the national stage to have a bigger audience. That's the point of these flex games ever since they started that about 10, 11 years ago. Uh, but I asked you guys on Twitter in a, in a poll form if you guys now feel like, As Chiefs fans, your team is getting the respect that you've always been asking for, and overwhelmingly, a lot of you guys said yes to that. So listen, I I know a lot of people complain about power rankings, which, guys, power rankings are not standings. I think they're kind of dumb, if I'm being honest, but uh, if you want to... Everyone's definition of a power ranking, at least it feels like everyone's definition of a power ranking, is basically NFL standings. If you want to see NFL standings, just go to NFL.com and... Basically, you can uh, uh, organize the list to put it by win-loss record, and just you just look at that. I mean, I, I, I don't care so much for these power rankings, and in fact, a lot of media outlets intentionally misplace a couple of things just for the sake of argument and, and responses on social media or in the comment section of that of their of their websites, uh, which I never believe in personally, but you get the idea. Uh, a lot of Chiefs fans have complained about the national exposure that they've. Been getting. And look, this year there has been a lot of love for Pat Mahomes from a lot of people uh, in the national media. And now you are being given another primetime game from five to six more than any team this year and and last year as well. I think Chiefs fans need to now kind of cool it off with the whole respect thing because at this point, you know, we've made so many excuses, uh, like in 2014, as to why Alex Smith couldn't have a good season or why he didn't have any touchdown passes to a receiver. And listen, I, I don't think that was his fault entirely. Uh, he did have, uh, in week 16, he did have a touchdown pass to Dwayne Bowe. Uh, well, not a pa- touchdown pass, but in the end zone, he dropped it. And then in week 17, it was Chase Daniel who filled in. Uh, Bo was on his way to the end zone, and he fumbled right at the one. Travis Kelsey scooped it up. Uh, in the end zone. Uh, and I still remember his reaction. He was even upset because he wanted them to score the touchdown. Uh, b- but you get the idea. We've complained about bad wide receivers. We've made changes in that area and still no success in the long run. Uh, made, made so many changes all around. Now we've had a more dynamic offense rather than a dynamic defense. Just a crazy turn of events last year. How that just completely flipped around. Uh, And now you've got the best quarterback in the NFL in Patrick Mahomes, albeit he's been quiet for a couple of weeks now statistically, but still one of the best right now in the NFL. Kansas City's always had great players, even during some of the bad years. uh, We saw from 2007 through 2012. So there is no lack of respect, I think. It's really on Kansas City. If they continue to fall short in the playoffs, I mean, you can't blame the national media for criticizing them for... For another disappointing appearance in January if that happens. At this point, the league, and I think a lot of fans outside of Kansas City, they recognize what's going on with the Chiefs. Especially this year because of the quarterback play. Quarterback play will always triumph everything else uh, in terms of how you garner attention from fans. Now the league has noticed that the talent the Chiefs have had uh, even outside of Alex Smith in years past. And they've put him on primetime football quite a lot. Uh, I mean, you see, the NFL always makes uh, makes a point to make sure that the Chiefs and Broncos are playing on primetime football. The Chiefs and Patriots are playing on primetime football. They always make that effort every single time because they know the Chiefs are going to have a great game. Uh, against those, I say great game because the 2014 matchup. No, that was not an exciting game, but when you see the Patriots get crushed 41 to 14 on primetime football, no one's going to turn off their TVs because that is a very rare occasion to see the most dominant team the past two decades get crushed like that. So people are going to leave their TVs on and keep watching that uh, the, the, the demolishment that, that, that the Chiefs created a couple of years ago. And even last year's NFL kickoff game. In New England. Uh, because that's a rare occasion. That's why this Sunday Night Football game between these two teams. That's why it's on primetime. Uh, because the NFL is hoping for another exciting matchup. Maybe it doesn't end the, uh, with the same result with the Chiefs on top. But they know that the Chiefs are going to give the Patriots at the very least a run for their money. So that's why they put the team on primetime football. So for all the years that Chiefs fans have complained about the lack of respect. I think we've got to drop that, that complaint because... We're seeing the Chiefs get a lot of respect, not just from the NFL, the schedule makers, the league, uh, but also from a lot of fans. You, you know, a lot. It's funny because I think um, – I can't remember what it was on NFL memes that I saw. But um, NFL memes uh, – oh, now I remember. They uh, they mentioned the fact that the Chiefs, they were the last team to lose a game in 2003, 2010, 2013, and last year, which I've mentioned many times. And they didn't have a playoff win any of those years – and if, a lot of times on places like NFL memes, the point is to poke fun at some of the struggles of other teams. And when they mentioned the Chiefs that's not like they were even p- poking fun at them, even with the comments. A lot of fans were like, man, I mean, that, that that's just bad luck there. Like, teams don't even want to hate on the Chiefs. They don't even poke fun at them so much. Uh, because a, they're a team that a lot of people can like and get behind if their team is not doing well. If, if their team's not in the playoffs, well, then... If if they had a a dog in the fight in the playoffs this year, well, then they probably pull for the Chiefs because of X, Y, and Z. Maybe they like Tyreek Kill's dynamic gameplay, or they they like what Patrick Mahomes is bringing to the game of football at that quarterback position this year. Maybe they like those kinds of things. They like Andy Reid and his style of coaching, uh, and they want to get behind that in the playoffs if their team's not in it. So you see that a lot from from uh, fan bases outside of Kansas City, and I think. We have to now understand that and, and realize there there is no disrespect for this football team. This football team is getting plenty of respect, and you're starting to see it in so many different aspects. Now, unfortunately, the Chiefs, uh, not getting a lot of respect from the football gods, that's for sure. Lots of injuries. Uh, uh, first off, Laurent Duverde tardif uh, he had a fractured fibula. That was uh, the first report that came out. Uh, But, of course, you go through x-rays, MRIs, and whatnot, and you learn a little bit more. And, unfortunately, it has been uh, discovered that LDT's injury is worse than they had initially thought. Uh, I believe it's pronounced uh, Mazunvei. He has a Mazunvei fracture uh, where his ankle uh, is extended too far to one side. And so he will have to get surgery on that. That can kind of take a toll on the knee. uh, And that may... Kind of, and, and this is me kind of geek speaking, and I have a little bit of experience with this, uh, having a torn ACL and, t- and a torn meniscus ha- ha- all happen at once, uh, but not exactly sure what happens. I, I did some research on this, and it talks about how uh, they may or they may not take the bone from an autograph to repair that. Kind of a weird situation there, but and generally those kinds of things we don't hear about too much, but uh, nonetheless, that that injury unfortunately is worse than uh, initially thought uh, so his season, uh, he is on the IR and it is expected that he will stay on, uh, injured reserve for the remainder of the season. Justin Houston, his season not over, at least not yet. Uh, he has a hamstring injury. Uh, Andy Reid said that this week pretty much he's doubtful. No specific timetable has been provided on when he'll be back, but Justin Houston at some point is expected to be back. The Chiefs did sign. Uh, somebody. Uh, in the meantime, in fact, two players who I'll get to in a moment. One who you are all very familiar with. Uh, one unfortunate piece, and you know, all of this is unfortunate. But safety Armani Watts is heading to the IR. He ha- uh he suffered a groin injury, uh, in which I mentioned he left early in the Jaguars game. A game where he he played pr- pretty well too. He had that big stop on uh, the pass break up on fourth and two when the Jaguars were going in the end zone. Uh, but he also has been dealing with uh, some core muscle um issues. Uh, so, a couple of nagging injuries for him. His rookie campaign has uh, pretty much come to an end, unfortunately, which is never a good thing to see. And Eric Berry, according to Andy Reid, taking it day by day with Eric Berry. So, uh, I, I saw, it, uh, who was I think it was Pete Sweeney who pointed this out, it's been now 60 days Eric Berry has been day by day. We were told 60 days ago he's day by day, and here we are 60 days later, two months later, and he's still day by day. Listen, if Eric Berry's not ready, fine. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I do care, but I, I don't want him to rush back into things for obvious reasons. You don't want that. However, don't tell us it's day-to-day when two months passes and you know you're going to be asked this question. If Eric Berry's day-to-day and it's taking one week, two weeks, okay, now we're at one month, now it's 60 days. People are going to start wondering, what what are you hiding? And the Chiefs tried to do this. I mentioned this before with Justin Houston a couple of years ago where he had uh, an ACL injury, not a torn ACL, but uh, an ACL that was not in, in, intact uh, necessarily. But the Chiefs tried to hide that. And somehow it just ended up leaking and obviously the media got on top of it. Uh, rightfully so but the Chiefs are really bad at holding these things private listen at at some point people catch on and now there is a huge concern from a lot of fans is he even going to play this year you guys know me I was being kind of hush-hush about this because injury I don't like to speculate on injuries but I will speculate When someone is supposedly day-to-day, and it's been two damn months now. I mean, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago already. uh, But now, I mean, the longer it takes, the more we wonder what in the hell is this day-to-day sore heel that he's dealing with. Now, I know NFL Network released that there were some additional problems with his ankle that he's dealing with. uh, But the Chiefs haven't even confirmed much of that. So, you don't really know what's going on. And, again, I mentioned before, a couple of you guys have uh, emailed me asking this. Why hasn't Eric Berry said anything? Players who are injured are not required to speak to the media. Generally, backups don't get requested either, so they don't have to stick around in the locker room. Uh, But that's why we haven't heard from Eric Berry, and I I don't think he wants to really even speak on this. And people might be wondering, okay, well, if the Chiefs are, quote-unquote, lying intentionally, I mean, what do you benefit from that? I remember in 2007 when LJ... Suffered, uh, I can't remember what it was, uh, but he suffered an injury in that Packers game, uh, which was the start of nine straight losses to end the season for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs didn't place him on IR, and I remember at the time, some people thought it could be due to the Chiefs maybe wanting to use him by saying, hey, look, he's his season's not over yet, and maybe use that as some sort of a tool to to keep tickets. Still selling? I mean, I don't know. I don't like that kind of reasoning. Uh, I'd like to think Andy Reid or Herm Edward or whoever doesn't care about ticket sales necessarily. I, I think when you're 5-0, and oh, uh, beating on uh, on some good teams too. I don't think there is a concern at this moment anymore about ticket sales. But it does kind of concern me. What What is it now with Eric Berry? How is it day-to-day, 60 days now? Uh, that's not day-to-day. It, it just isn't. Uh, someone mentioned this on the Facebook page that it's possible because it's happening with the Chiefs, right? Because something wrong's happening and we don't know what it is. So I'm not quite sure, you know, how long the Chiefs are going to play this game for, uh, and trying to mislead people, but it's not going to work. Uh, and everyone's catching on on this. So we'll see. I mean, there's not much to say. Uh, I thought it'd be kind of a cool story if he did return this week to... The same stadium, Gillette Stadium, where he suffered an injury that kept him out for uh, the right re- he out for the remainder of the season, and not, not that that injury has any correlation to him missing games this year, uh, but it would have been kind of nice to say, well, here he is coming back to the last time he played football, the same exact venue, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. And again, uh, I I really don't know what to say. This is something I've been asked about quite a lot from from Chiefs fans. And I really don't have an answer uh, for this. You already have Daniel Sorensen on IR. Armani Watts destroying the IR list. Oh, and by the way, uh, you're taking this thin safety core to Gillette Stadium where the quarterback is Tom Brady. So... Well, look with that, I, I, we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, this is, uh, I mean, there's never a good time for injuries, but this is obviously bad timing considering this could be the biggest game of the year. I think the Bengals game, as far as record-wise goes, th- that's big because of the fact that they are the top two teams in the AFC, but look, yeah, I mean, the Patriots game, that's always the game that people are going to circle on, on, on the schedule, the biggest game of the year, because it is the most dominant team we've seen in the past two decades. Uh, so it'd be nice to have everybody, sure, I want Eric Berry to play when he is capable of playing, but man, I just don't get why uh, the Chiefs are going about it the way they are, and uh, no one in the media is going to go that far and say, hey, why are you guys uh, putting things out when that's not how they're unfolding, because then they're afraid they're going to lose their credentials and whatnot, so... Uh, That's really all I can say about that. As far as corresponding moves, the Chiefs did sign two outside linebackers. Frank Zombo, one of them, who was let go by the Chiefs on September the 1st. He's been with the team uh, pretty much since Andy Reid arrived in 2013. And the Chiefs also signed Nate Orchard on Tuesday. So they made those two additions. Orchard was drafted in the second round out of Utah in 2015 by Cleveland. Released on September the 1st this year. Nine days later, signed with the Bills. Was let go last week. Now is in Kansas City. Started 13 games in his uh, uh, in his career. Excuse me, 11 of them from his rookie year, where he had three sacks, one interception, and one forced fumble. Suffered an ankle injury in 2016 that limited him to just three games. He played all 16 games in 2017, but had just one start, two sacks, and uh, this year he's got three tackles and one pass deflection with the Bills. So obviously, he didn't do a whole lot while he was with Buffalo. Uh, perhaps if he can stay healthy, maybe this could be the change that he needs, maybe a change of scenery, and maybe he can make that progress and live up to that potential in Kansas City. So that remains to be seen, but with Justin Houston out for right now, there is that opportunity for him to uh, to do that, uh, at least for the time being, in Kansas City. Now, speaking of Justin Houston, and I do want to go back to Eric Berry, uh, and let me just first off make something clear, because I posted this on the Facebook page and somebody said this was unfair uh, because Eric Berry did miss some games due to cancer. Uh, first off, the the amount of the, the numbers I'm going to give you are not even from that year where he missed uh, games in 2014. In fact, these are numbers from 2015. So that's one thing. A lot of people are also making the excuse that you know Eric Berry should be allowed to keep his contract because of what he's gone through. Folks, I understand. I mean, th- that's obviously a devastating thing to have gone through. And anyone who has gone through anything like that themselves, battling cancer, or if they've had a family member or a close friend who, who's who gone through that. Uh, obviously, it's a devastating thing to 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 deal with or to watch a loved one go through. But here's the thing that people have got to keep in mind. At the end of the day, this is a business. The, I mean, NFL teams are not charitable organizations where they just give out $13 million to, to a player to not play. And that's something people have got to keep in mind here. Especially when players are underperforming, those contracts look even worse. But here's the thing with Justin Houston and Eric Barry. Since 2015, again, this was after uh, uh, Barry returned from his fight with cancer, that he was victorious in. Houston and Barry have missed a combined 37 games since the start of the 2015 season. Uh, Justin Houston, uh, for this year, has a cap number of 20.6 million dollars. Meanwhile, Eric Berry's cap number is at 13 million dollars. Justin Houston uh, is making the most amount of money this year with the Chiefs. Eric Berry is in third place just right behind Eric Fisher on the team's salary cap. Now, I understand that this is also these were contracts handed out by a previous GM and John Dorsey but unfortunately this is the situation you're in now if you're Brett Veach who's done a very good job as a general manager so far you've got to wonder what can you do to work around this because you've got to restructure some things listen I think Eric Berry hands down is the best player on this football team he is the defensive MVP this year it it, it shows even without him playing but the fact of the matter is If you're making a lot of money and you're not playing, it does do a lot of damage on the football team. It absolutely does. So I think the Kansas City Chiefs definitely need to do something to restructure the contracts of Justin Houston and Eric Berry. By the way, I've seen people say that if they don't agree to restructure their deals, the Chiefs should just release them at the end of the season. That is impossible, folks. Uh, there would be a lot of dead cap and the Chiefs would be in a really bad place as far as the salary cap goes for 2019 and 2020. So the Chiefs are st- stuck with these guys for at least a couple of years if they refuse to restructure their contracts. Now, and I do want to go back to Eric Berry. Keep in mind, he signed that $70 million contract. That includes guaranteed uh, money. Eric Berry has yet to play an NFL game from start to finish. He came very close to playing an entire the entirety of the Patriots game last year, but he hasn't played a full game ever since he signed that deal. And again, I'm not a lot of people uh when players sign a big contract their perfor- level of performance goes down. I'm not blaming Eric Berry's injury on that. I mean, you you can't blame an injury because of a contract. I mean, those two don't even have a, any relation. Uh, if Eric Berry was playing poorly, then yeah, we, we could make that correlation. Like, hey, this guy got his his money and now he's not playing as well. He doesn't just have the heart for it, but that's not the case with Eric Berry. In fact, I think he would have continued to do better, and he's had a lot of bad luck, man. His second year in the NFL, suffered that torn ACL in week one. Last year, suffered a season-ending injury in week one. 2014, he missed a couple of games due to injury and, of course, had to step away from the game too to to go take care of his health, but he's, he's had a very hard time consistently staying on the field and if you give him three four consecutive years on the field this guy can put up a lot of big numbers and probably have the the best amount of numbers out of anyone in his position but we haven't seen that from him and again I think this is the unfortunate and unforgiving part of sports is yes you do have someone who is just a freak of nature and one crazy gifted athlete but if they're not available and they're injured a lot it's just impossible for them to be able to live up to that to that standard that that that, uh, play up to that potential and I don't mean that in a harsh way for Eric Berry I mean no one wants to deal with injuries I get that but when you are dishing out $20.6 million to Justin Houston, who hasn't been available a whole lot. He's missed a lot of games since then, as has Eric Berry. And at the end of the day, you have to say, if you're Brett Veach, you have to say, Hey, look, we get that you guys deserve these deals at the time. But we also have a reasonable case to say that we think you should re- agree to a restructured deal. So that's something that Brad Fijay, and I don't know exactly if he'll go that approach. If that's how GMs do it, I'm sure they have their uh, their ways of doing it. Maybe all of them have their own different versions of it, but all in similar ways. That has to be an approach you have with uh, with Houston's agent and Barry's agent because it's not fair the, to this franchise who th- that needs a lot of help defensively, and they could be using that money elsewhere to bring in some help defensively. And it's unfair when your your top two paid defensive players and guys who are first and third on the team uh, are injured now, and they've been injured quite a lot since they've signed their monster contracts. That it is holding the defense back. And again, uh, I know this is kind of a sensitive subject because a lot of people will come to Eric Berry's defense and say, "Well, let him keep the money because he's gone through so much." Guys, again. First off, Eric Berry's got a lot of money, even before this contract that he earned. He's made a lot of money. I mean, unless he's not being smart with it and blowing it off, which I don't think he's doing. He's been very smart with it. And, of course, he's got sponsorships, uh, as do a lot of football players. Some are public, some are not. I'm sure Eric Berry's pretty damn smart with his money. So I don't think Eric Berry's necessarily going to be poor and you know, he's going to struggle financially moving forward. No, I don't think that's going to be the case with him at all. The Chiefs have to look after themselves. There is a salary cap in the NFL. You, can, you can't you can exceed a certain amount each year. Now, they change the salary cap uh, each year in terms of how much teams can spend, but uh, Kansas City's got to be able to, to retain some of that money and use it on defensive players that they can bring in. And at least try to work around it and build on because Houston and Barry haven't helped this defense a whole lot lately, especially because of their injuries. And that's something the chiefs really need help with. And that's a huge reason why they were going after Earl Thomas, who unfortunately also suffered a, a season ending injury when he was seeking a new contract. So, uh, I, this is something Brad Veach has got to, uh, got to approach and he's got to approach it very well because, uh, Everyone can have an ego when it comes to contracts, especially if you're being asked to take less money. That's always a a, a tough thing to accept. So that's something that GMs uh, are qualified to do. They, 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 They know what to do. It may not always go their way, but they know how to at least go about it. So that's something Brett Veach should consider doing, restructuring those contracts for those two players sometime in the near future. Uh, A couple things before we get into the breakdown between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Alright, I know uh, for the longest time, a lot of Chiefs fans have been tired of hearing about Marcus Peters and the fact that the Chiefs are going to regret trading him. Well, maybe there's a different narrative that could come along. Now, before I say anything, it is five weeks into the season, but five games is still a lot. I mean, we're almost a third into, into the season. Uh, and I, I say that because a lot of people have said that this is unfair to to really go off of because it's five games. But uh, I've said many times before, and I'll continue to say it on and on. There aren't a lot of games in the game of football. You have very few chances to prove yourself. 16 games isn't a lot. So if you do go, I mean, 16 games, uh, there just aren't many chances to really prove yourself. So that's why a win each week feels... Like you're on top of the world because it puts you one step closer to where you need to be. uh, Especially if you get off to a good start. Uh, But we're five games in and I think these are very fair rankings. And I know Marcus Peters has been dealing with an injury the past couple of games. But here's one other thing I'll say. If you're going to play through an injury, unless your your coach limits you... If you're going to play with an injury, you should be expected to live up to your potential. Because as unfair as that sounds... If you are going to be active and you're going to play, uh, injury or not, if a play, they have actives and inactives for a reason. And Marcus Peters has been active. And even then, I don't think it's any excuse for him to be this low on the list. Pro Football Focus ranked the 116 cornerbacks, qualified cornerbacks, cornerbacks who have been very active, who have gotten a lot of uh, playing time. And three Chiefs cornerbacks are ranked on this list. Orlando Skandrick, Kendall Fuller, and Steven Nelson. orlando uh, They ranked all these cornerbacks uh, from the first five weeks. Orlando Skandrick is 36. Kendall Fuller and Steven Nelson, coincidentally on the same team, tied at 42. Marcus Peters is the 106th rated cornerback on Pro Football Focus. Orlando Skandrick is 70 spots above him Kendall Fuller is above him Steven Nelson's above him and by the way not only is Marcus Peters 106th three other Rams cornerbacks on his team are rated above him one of them being a keep to leave okay that's understandable he's of course one of the best cornerbacks we've seen in the NFL since he's he came out of KU but you know, to be this low on the list here, maybe Kansas City knew something. I don't know. I know he got off to a great start with that pick six against uh, against Oakland, when which he got fined for uh, with the with the uh, gesture. But uh, he, he hasn't had a very good season. He just hasn't. And again, I don't I don't use injuries as an excuse. If you are injured, but if you're taking the responsibility to play. Well, I mean, if you are playing and you're going to play a lot of snaps, it's obviously expected of you to, to do well. So Marcus Peters, and I, I don't think it's any excuse for him to be this low on the list. Now again, sure, it's it's five games into the season. Uh, several games left to go. We're not even at the halfway point yet. But still, five games in, If if, if anybody said Marcus Peters... Would be this low on on, on the list of cornerbacks. And three other Chiefs players would be ranked above it. Nobody would have agreed that it would be the case. Nobody. Not one bit. Especially if you said Danny Emerson. Or David Emerson. uh, Would have been on that list. Which obviously he isn't. But three other Chiefs guys. I I think this is a surprise to a lot of people. So uh, this is one of those things where for the time being. Yeah sure you would have liked to get gotten more from that trade. But Marcus Peters, 106, and three Chiefs cornerbacks rated above him, I guess so far, uh, again, it's very early to judge a trade, especially since the Chiefs haven't even used all of their draft picks yet from the Peters trade. Kansas City seems like they're not hurting too badly. Now, I will say this, uh, if you do go to another team and you're not surrounded by the good coaches that you had previously, uh, like guys like Andy Reid and Emma Thomas, who is probably the best position, Emma Thomas, the best uh, secondaries coach in the league, that can probably make an impact on your performance when you go play elsewhere. So I will say that as well, because I've said many times, and I know Bob Sutton's not very liked, but a lot of people outside of Kansas City uh, and the national media have a lot of respect for him. Uh, a lot of defensive players in Kansas City and even offensive players under Andy Reid, Bob Sutton, Emmett Thomas, they live up to their potential and even play a little bit more above it when they play under these coaches. So I think that could be a big reason why Marcus Peters is so low on that list, we have a discussion about it going on on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, never too late to join it on the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine 2 1. Feel free to email me as well Farzine at Farzine I want to give you guys one quick Mahomes step before we get into our breakdown between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Uh, Mahomes' first quarterback since 1970, since the, the merger essentially. Uh, With 250-plus passing yards in each of his first six career starts. Now, yes, we're five games in, but Mahomes did have that Week 17 start uh, at the end of the 2017 season. Uh, Again, first time in in, in nearly 40 years we've seen this. Mahomes was 22 of 38 for 313 uh, yards passing. He had one rushing touchdown. He was sacked once this past week against Jacksonville. Uh, But Also, from the Chiefs, uh, they tweeted this, this out. Uh, Mahomes is the first quarterback to throw for 300-plus yards in a regular season game against Jacksonville since last October, snapping that streak of 15 consecutive games. I know I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Mahomes is doing a lot of things that we haven't seen other quarterbacks do, whether it's NFL history, franchise history, or among uh, active QBs in the NFL right now. And it really shows you that even against a team like the Jaguars, he can still do well even against the best. And he's proven a lot so far, but still a little bit more to prove. I mentioned earlier the Chiefs are going to be playing Cincinnati on Sunday Night Football instead. The Chiefs, last week, they played the AFC runner-ups. This week they're playing the team that won the AFC. And next week, against Cincinnati, they're playing the best team, excluding themselves, the best team in the AFC. So these are three big games for Kansas City. So far they're one of one. We'll see what happens this week. This will definitely be the uh, statement maker. And I guess next week would be a statement maker too because a lot of people are going to be tuning in. A lot of people will judge you how you do against top-notch opponents, some of the elite teams out there. But also if those games happen on primetime. Look at Alex Smith. A lot of people said during Monday Night Football that the Chiefs made a good decision of trading Smith away. Smith hasn't had a terrible season, but when you look bad on primetime football, that's the kind of judgment people will have when giving their analysis or their commentary on a player or a team so the Chiefs now on primetime football two weeks in a row against the reigning AFC champions and the uh second best AFC team uh for the time being uh, a lot to prove uh, a lot you can still do to add to your resume an already impressive resume so far for 2018 and the Chiefs we will have an opportunity to do that this Sunday night against the Patriots. Now look, everyone knows about Tom Brady. I'll get to Tom Brady in a moment. I do want to kind of go over some of the other uh, offensive players on the Patriots who may not get all, all some of the glory or all of the glory that Tom Brady gets outside of Rob Gronkowski, uh, who I'll get into in a minute as well. But uh, there's some damage that can be done against Kansas City's 24th ranked Run stopping def- defense. You look at running back Sony Michelle, first round draft uh, pick out of Georgia this year. He's been a vital part of New England's offense, replacing Gillislee, who scored three touchdowns against the Chiefs in last year's NFL kickoff game when these two teams met. Michelle has sixty seven carries for two hundred ninety four yards and a pair of touchdowns. That's eighth. Uh, in rushing yards this year, whereas Kareem Hunt is sixth. So you know you've got two good running backs that are going to be going head-to-head in this football game, and I think both teams really will need to use their running backs more than their passing attacks. I know it sounds crazy because you've got two guys who have thrown a lot of touchdown passes this season, but uh, I I think both teams need to utilize that rushing attack more in this game. So it kind of may be what we saw in the NFL 10, 15 years ago when the running game was a big thing, and you don't see a lot of teams... Uh, have operate as a run first offense, and I think this may be the time to do it for both the Patriots and the Chiefs. I'll get into detail about that uh, later on, but uh, very good running back in uh in uh, Sony Michelle again, who is right now eighth in the league in rushing yards. James White also running back on the team. He's ran it twenty three times for one hundred ten yards, but he leads the team in catches with thirty two and touchdown grabs with four. He's second in yards with uh with 270 on the team. He has the second most receptions for a running back in the NFL behind Alvin Kamara of the Saints. Saquon Barkley of the Giants right behind him with 31. Rob Gronkowski, everyone knows about him. Often he and Travis Kelsey get compared to as the two best tight ends in the league. He's had an ankle injury that he's been dealing with. Uh, this year, but he managed to play through it last week against the Indianapolis Colts. He's had 23 catches for 308 yards and a touchdown this season. Julian Edelman, back from suspension, uh, he had seven catches for 57 yards last week. Uh, he had he's had 90 plus receptions in three of the four previous seasons, and the one season where he didn't uh, have 90 or more receptions, he had 61 in nine appearances. Uh, in one of those seasons. Now you look at other pass catchers on the team. You've got Philip Dorsett, Chris Hogan, Corderell Patterson. Uh, each have double-digit catches so far this year. And uh, each of them have at least 100 yards. None of them more than 200 yards. But each of them do have a pair of touchdown grabs so far this year. Uh, offensive line, David Andrews, a top 10 center in the NFL. You look at their offensive guards. Two very good guards and Joe Theney and Shaq Mason. But as far as offensive tackles go, that is a weak spot for the Patriots. And this is where Tom Brady could be in a bit of trouble here. You've got Trent Brown, who's going to be going up against Breeland Speaks, who will fill in for Justin Houston. And then you've got Marcus Cannon, who, uh, a fairly good-rated uh, offensive tackle, uh, or excuse me, a poorly-rated offensive tackle, hasn't allowed a sack yet. Uh, and he's only committed one penalty so far this year. And by the way, he'll be facing D. Ford. Who recently passed Khalil Mack for most quarterback pressures this season, according to Pro Football Focus? So you know that you've got one of the best pass rushers in the game today in D. Ford, who will be facing a struggling offensive tackle. Again, hasn't allowed a sack yet, but has had a lot of allowed a lot of quarterback hurries, and that is something where I think D. Ford will really need to come through. I do want to go back to Tom Brady because I didn't really go over him too much. I wanted to go over the rest of the offense. Here's the thing with Tom Brady to keep in mind. 67% completion percentage, about normal. But he's throwing for 1,259 yards. That's 19th in the NFL. That's not very good. He's got 12 touchdown passes. That's tied third. Six interceptions on the season. That is tied for fifth most behind Derek Carr, who's got eight. Blake Bortles, Andy Dalton, and Case Keenum have seven. Tom Brady, Sam Darnold, and Big Ben all have six picks. Tying for fifth so far through five weeks. Tom Brady has not played well recently this season. He has thrown an interception in four of the five games the Patriots have played in. And he's thrown an interception in three consecutive games. And he's thrown a pair of picks in each of the last two games. So if D. Ford goes out there and maybe he doesn't get a sack, but if he can put a a lot of pressure on Tom Brady, which I think he will be successful in doing, this this is going to be a very rough game for Tom Brady. And I'll say it again, look, uh, D. Ford's got to be the MVP of this defense in this game. I think the Chiefs offense will do its job, which I'll touch on shortly, but this defense is coming off the best performance of the season. Five sacks and five takeaways. Four of them being interceptions. One of them a forced fumble that was recovered by Breland Speaks. They need to have another big game. And D Ford will be key. He needs to have another big game. And I think he will against Marcus Cannon. Again, like I said earlier, graded very low. But according to stats hosted, uh, he's yet to allow a sack this season. Last year, he allowed five sacks in seven starts. He's only committed one penalty this year. That was a holding penalty. Uh, and again, maybe Breland Speaks ends up having a better game. Hell, let's see how he does against Trent Brown. So those are the two Patriots players to keep an eye on. Trent Brown on the left side of the offensive line for the Patriots and Marcus Cannon on the right side. And you've got to use their weaknesses with their offensive tackles to get to Tom Brady and not give him the time uh, that that he wants to have to uh, to air it out to his players. He's capable capable of doing it, and the Chiefs need to... Bring their A game uh, with their front seven. They need to get to him as fast as possible. It looks like D Ford is going to play. Doesn't We haven't seen a final or suspension yet. Chris Jones has not been suspended yet when it's Thursday morning. As of early Thursday morning, no suspensions have been handed out. And I think by now, considering the fact that Thursday Night Football is tonight, Week 6 is about to kick off. I think now the Chiefs are in the clear as far as suspensions go. Chiefs dodged a major bullet there, in my opinion. Uh, But you just take that and you move on, and hopefully everyone's learned their lesson. And by the way, I never read the Patriots' numbers. 22nd in total offense. 21st in passing. Very shocking to hear about a Patriots' offense, uh, with Tom Brady playing all the games. 13th in running the football. Again, I think that's going to be key against Kansas City's 24th-ranked run-stopping defense. And they're 9th in points per game with twenty six and a half points per game switching over to the defensive side of the football for the patriots 16th in total defense right in the middle uh 14th against the pass, 21st in stopping the run with 114 yards allowed per game on average and as far as points allowed per game 21.6 points per game allowed that's ninth best In the league. You look at the defensive line for the Patriots. Dietrich Weiss and Trey Flowers. The defensive ends. Very good defensive ends. Flowers has two sacks. Weiss has two and a half sacks. Lawrence Guy. Very good interior tackle. Who's probably the only good run stopping defensive player. On this Patriots team. Uh, You look at the Patriots. They have six different players. Each with an interception. So uh, no one has more than an interception this season for the Patriots. Devin McCourty. Uh, Safety on the team who leads the team in tackles with 33. Uh, Patriots have a couple of good linebackers as well. Dante Hightower, who's been with the team since 2011. Kyle Van Noy joined the team in 2016 after a couple of years spent in Detroit. Uh, But you look at the cornerbacks. This is where Kansas City may have uh, some problems here with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. But at the same time, this could be a different story. And I'll explain why in just a moment for the same reasons I just brought up. Uh Jason McCordy and Stefan Gilmore both ranked in the top ten among cornerbacks in the NFL according to Pro Football Focus. So obviously a huge challenge for Mahomes and this Patriots, or excuse me, this Chiefs offense. But you know, Andy Reid, you know he's gonna be creative, especially against A team like the Patriots, sometimes he gets too creative and we see that and we get annoyed by it. But if there is a time to pull out all the stops and use a few of the trick plays, this is the game to do it. You know Brady and the Patriots are going to put up points. I know in 2014, Brady only put up, what, seven points? The other seven points came from Jimmy Garoppolo when he came in uh, for Brady. And then last year... The Patriots were held to 27 points. They were shut out in the fourth quarter. You're not going to get that every time. And I think this time, especially with the defense getting worse and worse uh, over time over the past couple of years, I think this Patriots team will have probably their best game ever against the Chiefs in recent memory. I think the Patriots will put up more than 30 points on the score, scoreboard. So it's very important that Kansas City's offense, they pull out all the stops and they go to the playbook and look for some of those trick plays. I think this is the game. You have to do it. Kansas City will need to put up 40 points once again like they did the last two regular season meetings in order to pull off an upset. Patriots are 3.5 point favorites, which is certainly understandable despite their record. They are at home and it's very hard to pick against the Patriots at home, similar to picking against the Jayhawks at Allen Fieldhouse. It's a very bold prediction to make and it's not something a lot of people would even consider predicting. Now here's what I want to say right now. The Patriots are 21st in stopping the run, as I mentioned earlier, allowing 114 points per game. I expect Patrick Mahomes to have a couple of touchdown passes in this game, but at the end of the day, it is Kareem Hunt who will have another big game for the Chiefs. Got off to a very quiet start the first couple of games, and now he's really come along just outside of the top five in rushing yards. And keep one thing in mind, I know Alex Smith was a QB last year against New England, but he still... Had a great game, nonetheless. But the Chiefs have an even better quarterback this year. Yet, despite how great of a game Alex Smith had, it was Kareem Hunt's 246 yards from scrimmage and the three touchdowns that set an NFL record for most yards from scrimmage in a debut that lifted KC over New England. Adding the fact that Tyreek Hill has had a full year under his belt being a primary wide receiver. You have Sammy Watkins... On your roster now, you've got Travis Kelsey. who's probably the best tight end in the NFL right now. Bill Belichick and some of the past players praise Mahomes in this Chiefs offense for their unlimited playmaking abilities. Bill Belichick made some sort of comment saying that Mahomes uh, has a great arm, a fabulous arm, and he can throw a football out of the stadium. Uh, That—that's that, Bill Belichick right there saying those kinds of things. But uh, this is going to be the biggest challenge for the Chiefs to date because it is New England. They've got some very good cornerbacks on this defense. They really do. And sometimes a best defense is a great offense. Meaning the fact that if Brady can go out up there and put up some points, well then this Patriots defense will have a little bit of cushion, a little bit of room for error because you have your offense that's put up a lot of points on the scoreboard and there isn't a lot of pressure for that defense to have a perfect game. Kind of like the Jaguars last week. They're the number one defense in the league, but... If Blake Bortles is is constantly up and down, up and down, up and down, last week he was down, and the Jaguars' defense, there was pressure on them to uh, have a, a phenomenal game, which they weren't able to do necessarily. So, you know this Chiefs' defense. They've got to pressure Tom Brady and limit him in this football game. I think there, there will be times where they can do that, and I think there will be times where Brady will come through for the Patriots. Offensively speaking, yes, there are two great quarterbacks on this defense in McCourty and Gilmore. Offensive side, I mentioned the two key players. Trent Brown and Marcus Cannon. The offensive tackles. Two key players on the defensive side of the football for the Patriots. Jason McCourty and Stephon Gilmore. At the end of the day, this Kansas City offense. First off, I think one-on-one, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins would do just fine. But out of the fact that there are two... Better offensive players. And, and listen, I don't care how good a defense is. It's always hard playing defense against a speed speedy receiver like Tyree Kill. Added to the fact that you've got another speedy receiver in Sammy Watkins. Uh, Chris Conley has been making some plays this year for the Chiefs. D'Anthony Thomas, another speedster who the Chiefs should probably consider getting involved in the passing game uh, this Sunday night. Travis Kelsey. Very unique tight end, uh, very rare tight end, a guy who has a lot of speed, probably the fastest tight end in, in the NFL. The Patriots defense is going to be dealing with a lot of speed. As great as they are with a couple of their defensive ends and their cornerbacks, I think they're still going to have a very hard time containing all of the weapons the Chiefs have on offense. And with all of that, I think it's Kareem Hunt. At the end of the day, who will have the biggest game? I think Mahomes will throw an interception or two. And he'll have a couple of touchdown passes as well. But it's got to be Kareem Hunt that has the big game. And in fact, I think it's going to be who will the better running back be? Kareem Hunt? Or Sonny Michel? Who has a better running back? And who will limit their turnovers the most? Brady has had two interceptions in each of the last two games. Can the Chiefs continue that? Especially coming off a game where they had four picks. That's going to be a big question mark for this Chiefs defense. Playing against a guy who's not Blake Bortles, but again, even a guy like Brady hasn't played very well this season. So it's possible for this Chiefs defense to maybe have uh, a pick party, or maybe at least close to it when they go up against Tom Brady. And listen, th- there is that possibility of a pick party when you have uh, a, the guy who leads the league in quarterback pressures in D. Ford. That's the biggest X factor to me in this football game. How will D. Ford do, and can he do enough And listen, Tom Brady's not like Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is going to be pressured a lot in this game, but he knows how to move around and he knows when to move. It's not like he panics and just runs around at a bad moment. He'll run when it comes to worst case situation. Whereas Brady's not the mobile quarterback that Patrick Mahomes is. And that's what makes these two offenses different. And that's what'll make the difference, that's essentially what I think is going to be the difference maker, is the fact that you've got D Ford, the league leader, and QB pressures against an aging Brady who's struggled in the past couple of games. Again, three straight games with an interception, two straight games with two picks. Now, I did say in the last episode, I had two bold predictions that I wanted to share. One, the Chiefs may not succeed, but do it anyway. To make a point that you're not going to get pushed over by this Patriots team. You don't care if you're at Gillette Stadium. But I want to see the Chiefs go for an onside kick. An early onside kick in the game. I'm not talking about an onside kick to rally from behind. I'm talking early in the first quarter. They've got to do that. Second bold prediction. It's happened before against the Patriots. And I think this is the only thing we have not seen from Patrick Mahomes... But I want to see a Philly special touchdown pass to Patrick Mahomes. It's doable against the Patriots. And you've seen Andy Reid with his creativity and how he's thrown off defenses. I know he can throw off this defense too. Especially if you want to find a way to get cute on the road. I would have loved for this to be at home because I think Arrowhead would just erupt. If there was a, Even if that rolling roof was there, the roof would just collapse. Uh, but if a Philly special was thrown to Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead, everyone would go nuts. But I'd love to see it on the road against the Patriots. And I think the Chiefs will attempt that in this football game. It's going to be a very close game. It's going to be a shootout similar to the Steelers game. Except I don't think the Chiefs are going to take a 21-0 lead. It's going to be a back and forth boxing match. I think the Chiefs come away with a 41-38 to win. Uh, and it's going to come down to the wire. I really I really think so. Let me know your thoughts. 41-38 Chiefs. Facebook.com slash Farzim Like and follow me on Facebook. Join me for the Facebook Live videos during halftime and after the game. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and my email Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. I mentioned Monday Night Football earlier on in the podcast. And during that Monday Night Football game, Drew Brees broke the record for most passing yards in a career passing Peyton Manning And obviously they stopped the game, had the moment for him and all. Uh, By the way, they they planned something similar for Tony Gonzalez in 2008 once he got the uh, receiving uh, yards record for a tight end. Instead, it happened on the road. Uh, But if you remember, he almost lost the record back. Uh, Because he caught a football behind the line of scrimmage and almost got tackled uh, about five or six yards, which would have put him back in second place behind Shannon Sharp. I just want to know something hypothetically speaking if somebody were to break a record for four yards and then they lose those yards which is possible to do if you lose those yards on a play later and then you suffer a career ending injury I mean god forbid but how do you how do you write that in the record books how does that go down I've always been curious about that because that almost happened to Tony Gonzalez. And imagine if he suffered a career-ending injury. Then what? what how, do, how do historians write that on, on the record sheet? I would be very curious to know if that's ever happened, whether it's a franchise record or an NFL record or for any sport. I, 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 actually, I take that back. I don't think that can happen in any other sport because yards are a unique kind of statistic where you can have negative yards, whereas you can't have you know negative home runs or negative points uh negative baskets and all so you get the idea uh I've always been curious but anyway Drew Brees broke the record good for him very deserving a lot of people are comparing him now to other quarterbacks in NFL history of course going to be compared a lot to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady because he went up against those guys head-to-head a lot played at the same time as those guys but they didn't have the amount of success that they had yes he beat Peyton Manning head-to-head once in the Super Bowl but that's the only time he did so, and the, the Saints haven't been able to be that Super Bowl team. They've always been a great offensive team since Drew Brees got there, but they've never been that big team. Brees, I believe uh, I heard uh, Sean O'Hara mention, he has a 7-6 and six postseason record. Not the greatest, especially for a guy who has such a dominant uh, record. I mean, obviously just broke the passing yards record, but look at Peyton Manning. He's played in four Super Bowls, and he didn't really play very well in any of them. And won two of them. So how do you judge players moving forward? And listen, as as much of, as the QB position is important, and it does lead to most of your success, other factors can come in as to why you don't have a or multiple Super Bowl rings. And I don't think that should ever set Drew Brees back. And even if he didn't break this record, he would still for sure be a Hall of Famer. And a player who... I don't know where you rank him, but I think he's got to be in the top 10. Along QBs in NFL history. I don't know if I put them top 5. But for sure in my top 10. We talked about this briefly on the Facebook page. But the Cleveland Browns man. They are competitive this year. Game winning field goal. Tipped. Still went through with 2 seconds left to go in overtime. The Browns completed their 3rd overtime game of the season. They're 1-1-1 in overtime games this year. Listen, this, this Browns team, uh, they're a much better football team this year. And I think Hugh Jackson is starting to find a rhythm. And the players are, are starting to live up to his standards and his expectations. And I think Baker Mayfield's also making a difference as well. And I think eventually the Browns are going to be a team that, listen, in that very wide open division right there in the AFC North, maybe the Browns have somewhat of an opportunity. They got a big divisional win this past week in overtime. And they're very competitive too. Three overtime games. That's the most of any team so far. So hopefully they can come through. Because I think it'd be very cool to see an underdog team. Like the Browns finally snap that playoff drought. And here's one team that will continue to suffer. man. That Probably not even make the playoffs. The Dallas Cowboys. Head coach Jason Garrett should absolutely be gone by now. I don't get why he still has a job. And if he does right now, he, he should be gone at least when the clock hits zero seconds in Week 17, whatever Week 17 game the Cowboys play in. Dak Prescott's progress has completely slowed down. Ezekiel Elliott is like Jamal Charles, who, by the way, just signed with the Jags, good for him, but a lot like Charles in 2013 and 2014, where he was not only the leading rusher on the team, but also the leading receiver on the team. Uh, Zeke is leading the team right now in uh, receptions, and I believe receiving yards as well. That's not something you want to see. From your running back, carrying the team the way he does. And I think that's going to really hurt this Cowboys team in the long run. Uh, boy, I don't know what solution there is for the Cowboys. But Jason Garrett right now should be uh, concerned for his job. And I think he should be gone by now. He, if it doesn't happen right now, maybe at some point during the season uh, or before the season. But maybe the Cowboys need to do it sooner. That way they can be ahead in the head coaching search when it is offseason time. Would be very smart to do. Let's go out of bounds. I know there are a lot of Nebraska fans who are listening to this podcast. Nebraska's 0-5 under Scott Frost. I know a lot of Nebraska fans who were ecstatic and they were really looking forward to seeing him uh, take over the, the Raids as the Nebraska head coach. And listen, in the time that we are in right now where patience is so hard for sports fans and they become so critical on social media and they show it with ticket sales as well, uh, their displeasure for a team's uh, performance or lack thereof, Nebraska's 0-5. Listen, that's a program. I know they're not where they usually were under Bo Pelini, but that is a program, man, where the standard is pretty high in Nebraska. It really is. And for... Nebraska to start off 0 5. And listen, you're before we're Big 12 team, you're you're in the Midwest and like I said, you know in Kansas there are a lot of KU fans and a lot of Nebraska fans. KU even has a better record than that. And they just fired their offensive coordinator. So this this Nebraska football team, Scott Frost needs to figure it out otherwise he may not be there longer than a couple of years. Um, longer than two or three years. This is a very rough start for Nebraska. It started off badly when their very first game of the season got rained out, which you hardly ever see in football games. There are delays, but not necessarily rainouts. And uh, man, it, it just hasn't been a very good season for those Cornhuskers. Speaking of Red, the Red Sox advanced to the ALCS after eliminating the Yankees. Uh, but the storyline afterwards in New York, CC Sabathia blasted umpire Angel Hernandez and I know he was talked about quite a lot before the game uh, because of his uh, his job officiating behind home plate. And I've got to say something about baseball. I know I've been complaining about baseball a lot lately. The fact that they had needed a 163rd game. But here's the other biggest thing uh, that, that I take issue with in modern technology. We see broadcasts on ESPN and Fox Sports where they have that little square above home plate every time a pitcher throws a pitch and you can know what a call should have been and it may not end up being the same call as what the ump gives but I don't think that should be the case I think given the fact that we have that technology to know what is a ball and what isn't a uh, what isn't a ball, what's a strike, what's a ball we need to get that changed I don't know what's the best way to convey that to the umpire if he gets it wrong But man, in this day and age, in 2018, when you have that graphic on ESPN that indicates what's a strike and what's a ball, where each pitch goes, we need to get those calls right. And listen, I'm not sitting here making any excuses for the Yankees. In fact, I'm not a big baseball guy. I didn't even watch uh, that series. But uh, we've got to get those kinds of calls right. If if they have that ability to know what's a ball, what's a strike. When I say they, I'm talking about the broadcast booth. Certainly the umpire should have a better viewing of that. Uh again, I, I know they don't have the the luxury of having a TV right next to them so they can take a quick second to check, but maybe there's gotta be something out there that can allow them to to make calls more accurately, and if, if they see something on the broadcast that's not that doesn't line up with what the umpire called behind home plate, that, that's gotta change. Uh, especially with that kind of technology. You've got to take advantage of that in 2018 to to provide better rule. Look at Mike Tomlin. He just got fined $25,000 for rightfully criticizing the officials. I mean, umpires, referees, they are heavily protected uh, by leagues, commi- sports commissions, and MMA. I mean, they, they just never go against them. And I don't think that's right. That's got to change. And by the way, speaking of MMA, UFC 229, everyone knows what happened after the fight. The fight after the fight is what what's, been, uh, what's gotten a lot of headlines. Let me just say this right now. Would a rematch for Conor McGregor make sense? No, you just tapped out. However, MMA is a highly business-based industry. Dana White loves what happened afterwards because it's going to do even more pay-per-view buys And he will absolutely book a rematch whenever suspensions are done. I mean, not that they've been handed out yet, but whenever all the dust settles, Dana White will 100% book a rematch. Because it'll do even more pay-per-view buys this time, considering what just happened. Everyone's going to want to watch this time. You think Dana White, when he was in that press conference, you know, with that somber attitude saying, Look, our sport's better than this. Come on, man. I mean, you had your PR guy try to break up a fight between two light heavyweights, and he got squashed. And they used that as as promotion for videos uh, to, to hype up a, a fighter or, or a title match. They kept using the bus footage to promote the fight. You can absolutely expect the UFC to book that rematch as soon as Habib's suspension is over, which I think he will get one. But trust me, that will happen. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. There's a town in Virginia that's putting a rule that trick-or-treaters over the age of 12 could face jail time. I don't even know how you enforce this. There are some tall kids out there who maybe... 10 11 years old look like they're 14 or 15 but there's no way they can enforce this i just don't know how that's even possible there's no way a two-year-old baby shredded one thousand dollars in cash uh a couple uh made public uh a couple from salt lake city let me just say this i don't know why uh a couple would have a thousand dollars laying around Laying around to the point where a two-year-old baby can have access to it and access to a shredding machine. Uh, that's some I mean, thankfully nothing bad happened to the baby. Uh, by the way, the uh, mother uh, said that her husband called the government uh, department that deals with these kinds of issues with, with currency. And they were told that they could send the shredded money back to them uh, and it could take as long as six months to three years. That's quite a long time for a 1000 bucks, But, man, why... I think these parents need to re-evalu- reevaluate what they lay around the house. Why is a shredding machine accessible for the baby? And why is a $1,000 accessible for the baby? That is completely uncalled for. Definitely needs to clean up the... They gotta clean up the house a bit. So one guy sold his car, a used car. And the guy found a note, I guess a contract, that the guy's girlfriend made him sign. And these are the list of rules. On that list, not to have a single girl on uh, uh, a gr- single girl's phone number in his contacts. Cannot follow any girls on social media, including Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. Cannot hang out with Keegan. I don't know who that is. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them. Cannot hang out with friends more than two times a week. Cannot look at a single girl. Uh, some of these I cannot read because they're NSFW. Uh... Non-family-friendly stuff... Uh... Cannot bring up... Tyler, Noah, Devin, or Josh... Ever again... Uh... Cannot get mad at her... For anything... Uh... The girl is allowed to check her phone... As much as she wants to... Uh... He cannot drink... Unless the girlfriend is with her... Uh... <laughs> here's the uh... Here's the uh, Most interesting one... Cannot take longer than... Ten minutes to reply to a text... I'm not throwing a flag at the girl. I'm throwing a flag at the guy. Dude, you cannot be this desperate. I don't care how pretty a looking a, gr- a girl is. If she's giving you these rules and guidelines to uh, making you sign a contract, get out of that, man. Swipe left and get someone else. You got to be desperate to stay with that girl. Who puts those kinds of rules on there? That's ridiculous. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. My name is Farzin A Big thanks to all of you guys who tuned in for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit the share button as well. Spread the word for the Chiefs on Podcast. Interact with me on Facebook, facebook.com. Like and follow me on Facebook. Join me for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game this Sunday. And follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 Plus my email, Farzine at FarzinVesugian.com. Appreciate you guys joining me again for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Sunday night football. Podcast will be up early Monday morning recapping the game. And hopefully it's another Chiefs W6-0 walking out of Gillette Stadium. Enjoy the game. Talk to you later.